Good morning. First of all, I'd like to thank Brother Mike for allowing us the time to be here this morning on behalf of the Gideons International. And I'd like to thank you as a congregation for your past gifts to our ministry. Last year, with your help, we were able to place over 79 million copies of God's Word in 194 countries in 96 different languages. Some of these countries we as Southern Baptists can't get missionaries into, but we have Gideons there that are born-again Christians, and they're eager to pass out the Word, even at a great cost. Some of them can go to prison. Uh, they don't have a language barrier. They don't have a cultural shock. Uh, the main thing they don't have is money, and they have to depend on us to supply the Bibles, but they're eager to pass them out. And let me break down that 79 million scriptures that were passed out last year. Most of them were one at a time. Uh, we don't send them, we take them. But uh, breaking that down, that comes to 216,438 Bibles every day. And to break it down even further, every time your heart beat last year, three Gideon Bibles were placed somewhere around the world. Uh, I had always heard of these people going on these different mission trips to foreign countries uh, with the Gideons, and they'd come back and they'd say, you know, your life will never be the same if you go on one of these trips. And so I'd saved my money, and I'd gotten on the list to get a chance to go, and I waited and waited, and finally got a call, and uh, they told me, said, we'd like you to go to, on a mission trip uh, next year in March to Penang, Malaysia. And he said, it'll be seven other Gideons going with you, uh, one from Great Britain, one from Wales, one from Australia, one from Canada, and three others from the United States. And uh, it's, he told me to be sure and bring my raincoat and my umbrella because it was monsoon season there and I was sure to get wet. So uh, after he hung up, I got on the internet and looked up Penang, Malaysia because I'd never heard of it. And I found out that it was a large island off the coast of mainland Malaysia connected by one bridge. And uh, about 98% of the people there were of Chinese descent. And uh, I kept on scrolling down and I looked and said, National Religion, Islam. And I said, oh, I'm about to be dealing with the Muslims. But anyway, my time came to go and uh, I left uh, on a Wednesday and I didn't get to Penang till Saturday across the international date line uh, one of my flights was 22 straight hours over water. Uh, but I finally got there, and that afternoon or that night, they had a welcoming party for us and uh, met the local Gideons there and their wives. And I met my driver. His name was Ganafi, and he was a Hindu. And they told me he's a non-believer. So all of us worked on him all week. And uh, as Brother Mike has said before, a Hindu's hard to win over. But uh, on Thursday morning, I finally had a chance to lead him to the Lord. But uh, we went uh, back uh, on Saturday, Saturday night after that party. The next morning, they had assigned all eight of us internationals to speak in churches. And I had the Air Itam Chinese United Methodist Church. And I had two services. The first one was in English. And I got through that one okay. But the second one was in Hakeen. Anybody here speak Hakeen? Well, I didn't. So they gave me an interpreter. And I told him, I said, I'll talk slowly, 
And I'll use small words and short sentences and we'll get through this. So we started off and we were just doing wonderfully well till I dropped a y'all on him. And uh, he quit talking and I, I looked over at him. He had this blank expression on his face and I realized what I'd said. And I think I said, y'all will see us all around town next week handing out these Bibles. But anyway, I told him, I said, y'all, you all, everyone. So he finally got that and we, we got on through that one. Uh, the next morning, uh, every morning we would meet at 6.30 in the upper lobby at the hotel and we would pray that the Lord would keep the rain off the Bibles while we were distributing them. Uh, we prayed that we would have no problems with the Muslims and that the people that we handed the Bibles to would be receptive. Uh, even though it was the monsoon season, it never rained a drop on one of those Bibles. It rained at night, but it never rained a drop when we had the Bibles out. But our, the Monday morning, we went to a school and uh, it was hot there. It's about 98 degrees in March. It's like it is here in July and August. And after I'd handed the Bibles out, I'd gone under a parking deck to find some shade while I was waiting on the bus driver to come pick me up. This little boy that I'd given a Bible to came over and he said, what's this book about? I told him, I said, it's about Jesus. He said, well, are there any good stories in it? I said, oh, there's some wonderful stories in it. So I opened the book up to John, and I said, start reading here. So he bowed, and he thanked me, and he took it over to his friends and started reading it and sharing it with them. And if you look at some of these pictures, these children never put these Bibles in their pocket or in their book bags. They kept them out and read them. They were hungry for the Word. Uh, the next morning, we went to another school, and uh, we couldn't go in the school. We had to stand outside. It had big iron gates. And the gates would open and the children would come out and we could hand them the Bibles. Well, this first young man came out and I handed him one and told him that was the word of God. He sat down on the steps right beside me and he started reading it. And he read it for, I guess, for about 10 minutes. Just, he was really engrossed in it. And he had to go to the restroom. So he jumped up and he laid it on a ledge and he ran to the restroom and he came back and he picked the Bible up and started reading it again. Uh, these were the little simplified Chinese testaments that we handed out. And these are the bilingual Bibles we gave to the uh, high school students and the college students. They have English on one side and Chinese on the other. Well, anyway, he was sitting there reading the Bible and uh, all these other kids started coming out. It didn't bother him at all. You know, I was handing Bibles out just as fast as I could. And uh, after a while, all the children had come out and he was still sitting there reading that Bible. So I picked up my empty boxes and all my scraps of paper and I started to cross the street and uh, something tapped me on the back. And I turned around and there was this little guy and he, he was trying to hand me the Bible back. He thought I'd just loaned it to him. And so I knelt down to him. I said, no, I said, man free, man free, which means sure is free. He grabbed that Bible and hugged it to his heart and a big old smile on his face. He bowed and said, thank you, thank you. Brother Mike, you thought I'd give him the keys to heaven, which is exactly what I'd given him. But these people were hungry for the word. And everywhere we went, they accepted these Bibles. We had no problem with the Muslims. We gave out 60,000 copies of these Bibles in five days. Uh, on a Thursday morning, while we were waiting to go into a college, I had a chance to lead my, lead my uh, Hindu driver to the Lord. And he accepted. We went through the plan of salvation. He signed his name in the book. And you'll see some of these students holding these books up or people who worked in the motels where they'd signed them and dated them. These were the ones we had led to the Lord that week.
But anyway, um, that Friday night, we had a pastor's appreciation banquet for all of the local pastors. We thanked them for letting us speak in their churches and for their support of the Gideon ministry. And uh, it, after that was over, it was time to leave. We were all saying our goodbyes. And I found Brother Ganaffy, and I told him, I said, Brother Gan, I said, I've got to leave in the morning and go back to the United States. And I said, I'll probably never see you again on this old earth, but I'll see you in heaven. He started crying, and he bear-hugged me, and he said, thank you, thank you. And uh, it took me 54 hours to get back home, but it, he made it a lot shorter. Uh, let me share with you now uh, another testimony. Uh, young people, I was certainly impressed with all the number you had there last week, and I'm thank, thankful for Brother Donnie and for Brother Ben for the work they do with you. But uh, we had a distribution in the African country of Malawi. And the Gideon's there met with the district superintendent, and he told him, said, we need to go back into the villages in the bush country. And he said, you can't get there with regular vehicles, so you'll need four-wheel drives. So they uh, brought the four-wheel drives with them, and they went out to the bush country, and they made the distributions. And they came back, and they were thanking the district superintendent for, for allowing them to go. And he asked, can one of you stay one more day? Uh, he said, there's one place back through the jungle, uh, a village that you can't get to even on four-wheel drives. He said, the students will have to come to you. So this one guy said, yes, I can stay. So he went to the meeting place the next day. And all of these children met at their school the next morning, which was Saturday morning. Every one of them in that village, school age, showed up and they marched towards this Gideon. And they used uh, torches and they sang gospel hymns to keep the wild animals off of them. And they finally got to where the Gideon was and he made the distribution. And the teacher came up to him and he said, you know, said, this is probably the only book these children will ever have. And he said, I'll use it to teach them. And he said, they've walked 21 miles to get here to get a copy of this God's word. And they had to turn around and walk 21 miles back. 42 miles to get up just to get a copy of God's Word. We've got them laying around the house and we won't get up and walk across the room to pick them up. Shame on us, we're spoiled. But it's just to see how important these, these, the Word of God is to some of these people. Uh, go with me now to the country of Mozambique. A Gideon named Ted Dansby from Virginia uh, was on a Bible blitz there, such as I was to Malaysia. And he was handing out these Bibles, and people were coming through a line. And he said he saw this elderly lady. She had snow-white hair and a very wrinkled face. And she, he said she had tears streaming down her eyes as she took that Bible. And she said, Abu Kutu, Abu Kutu, and some other words that he didn't understand. It was in Portuguese. So Ted asked his uh, interpreter, he said, John, what did she say? And John didn't answer him. And, and he turned around to ask him again. And John had tears running down his face. He said, John, what did she say? And said, when he finally composed himself, he said, she said, I've always heard it was a book like this, but I never thought I'd get to hold one, much less own one. One of you may have paid for that Bible. But let me close with this. Uh, some time ago, I was reading a devotional, 
And I don't even remember the text, but I remember the little thought for the day at the bottom of the page. And it said this. It said, remember, untold millions are perishing untold. We as Gideons, with your help, are trying to see that they are told. Thank you. I found myself in the Jefferson County Jail in downtown Birmingham, Alabama. There was a Bible there. I'd seen Bibles just like them in motel rooms everywhere I'd stayed. So one day alone in my cell, I picked up that Bible that I had shoved under the mattress. I just opened it up and kind of wandered through it and flipped a few pages of it. But as I did, my eyes were drawn to just two verses in the book of Ezekiel. A new heart also I'll give you. I will take that stony heart out of your flesh. When you're facing the rest of your life behind bars, there's nothing to lose. And so very quietly one night, I knelt on that concrete floor in that little five by eight jail cell and I surrendered. And I knew in that moment, for the very first time, I knew that God had saved me. I was just blessed to be the person God used to start Angel Tree Ministries because it's God. It's all about God. You see, Mary Kay Beard was a safe cracker. She was a bank robber. And she had the distinction of being the first female on the FBI's most wanted list. She was arrested in 1972 when she quickly collected 11 federal indictments and she had 35 charges against her. She also had a 180-year prison sentence in front of her also. Well, that turned out to be a six-year prison sentence that she actually served at the Julia Tutwiler prison in Montgomery, Alabama. But while she was there, she had a burden for the children of those female inmates that she saw, wanting to provide Christmas gifts for those children. When she got out, she set up a little place over in the Brookwood uh, Mall, and she had little ornaments shaped like angels, creating an angel tree. So that was the beginning of what she talked about very briefly in that video, Angel Tree Ministries. Well, six million. Well, what significant is six million today? Well, that's the cumulative number of prisoners' children that have been served by her ministry, Angel Tree Ministries, over the last 29 years. And remember this, it, it all started with the Gideon Bible. That's how it started. You see, we as Gideons... Uh, we're members of the Gideons International. We're an association of Christian business and professional men. And we're members of local Protestant and evangelical churches, just like what we have here at First Baptist Pelham. We've been around a long time. Started in 1899. But you see, our purpose has been the same since we first started. We've got only one purpose, and that's to win others for Christ. And we give out God's Word, and we... As Ed has already uh, shared this morning, when we do that, sometimes the Lord is going to allow us to see the fruits of our labor. Some of them are going to come to Christ. 
But if not, we have the opportunity of placing that seed and maybe watering it as it goes out. Well, Tim Spencer moved to Hollywood, California in 1931 to seek his fame and fortune. You see, at night he would make the rounds of the country clubs, the shows, the dance halls, and he'd get to know anybody that wanted to get into the music business like him. Tim soon met some other guys that wanted to be musicians just like him, a guy named Leonard Sly from Ohio. The other one was Bob Nolan. He put together a little group called the Pioneer Trio. Knowing that Leonard Sly just didn't fit the music business and nobody in the world would know who in the world he was, he said, well, I might want to change my name. And he changed it to something that we are all very familiar with today. How about Roy Rogers? Well, that group went on to add a fourth member and they became the Sons of the Pioneers, probably one of the most popular country and western groups of that time. And they had very many number one hits. You see, Tim would write the songs and then the group would sing them. But at that time, during that uh, uh, run of all those number one hits, he had one that some of you may recognize this morning. It was called Cigarettes and Whiskey and Wild Wild Women. You see, Tim was living that lifestyle that he was talking about in that song. But guess what? Tim had a Christian wife who was a member of the Hollywood Presbyterian Church, and she had talked to her pastor about the burden she had for Tim and wanted him to become a Christian. The pastor suggested that she write some letters, and then in that she put some little Bible verses, which she did, and he said, send them ahead to all those hotels that he'll be staying at. And she did that, so when Tim checked into the Hazleton, Pennsylvania Hotel in 1949, there were some letters from his wife, and guess what? Those little scripture verses that was in that letter. When he got it out, there were some that just kind of really hit home to him. He said, well, I need to look that up. So there in the room, guess what? He found a Gideon Place Bible in that room. He looked it up, and guess what? That night, Tim Spencer was gloriously and marvelously saved. Guess what? He became a new creation. God gave him a new direction. He had new aspirations and a and a higher sense of purpose. Soon Tim went on into the music publishing business and he founded Man of Music. In 1953, his son Hal attended a youth conference on missions. At that conference, they were singing a Swedish melody which contained some lyrics written by Stuart Hine and uh, so it just kind of hit home to him, stirred his heart. He asked if he could get a copy of it for his dad. He said, I think my dad can work on that and uh, he can do something with it. So he did. In 1957, they gave it to some people to record. And of course, none of them really did anything with it. But in 1957, they asked another man to record that very same song. That man was George Beverly Shea. Who sang, guess what, what we sang today, how Great Thou Art, 99 times at the Billy Graham Crusade in the Madison Square Gardens. Mr. Shea has performed that song literally thousands of times in venues throughout the world today. And if you look in your hymnal back on page 147 at the bottom, you'll see that the rights to that song still go to Man of Music. You see, it's amazing to see how God uses His Word today. He took a man that wrote a song that says cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women, and then he turned around and used that same man 
to write and publish and print for worldwide distribution what many of us consider today the greatest song in Christendom. I, I think everyone would agree this morning that that Bible made a difference in Tim Spencer's life. Well, we distribute scriptures in what we call the traffic lanes of life. What that really means is hopefully at some point in your life you're going to have an opportunity to come across a copy of God's Word. Uh, we have what we call five major points of distributions today. There's a lot of others that come underneath that, but there's five major. And there's the hotels, motels, schools, colleges, universities, hospitals, physicians, and dentist offices, our jails, prisons, our penal institutions, and of course our military. All those we put in uh, distributions today. You'd be interested to know this morning that we have a new avenue of scripture distribution to help reach the youth of America. This new program, which is facilitated through our church youth pastors, involves an in-school peer-to-peer distribution by Christian high school youth to their classmates of an attractive booklet called The Life Book, which I have here this morning. This past year, through this developing program, over one and a half million copies of that life book have been given out to high school students, and it also has the book of John in it. This new avenue of scripture distribution further strengthens our long-standing program of placing the Word of God into the hands of our youth, and I think that our church may be involved in that, and I'm going to talk to our youth uh, leaders and our pastor about that program. It's very exciting. Our wives are a very important part of the Gideon ministry. You say, what I like about the Gideon ministry is a family ministry. Sheila and I can serve in it together. Uh, we've been so blessed, but they also help us distribute God's word. They go to the, those uh, physicians and dentist offices. They go to the nursing homes. They go to the correctional facilities, the domestic violence shelters for women. And they place testaments in the hands of nurses and the other medical personnel. That's very special for Sheila because she's in the nursing profession. There's more than 298,000 Gideons and Auxiliary members worldwide today operating as an extended arm of the church. And as uh, we always say as Gideons, we stand on the promise of Isaiah 55:11, And that's God's word will not return unto him void. Gideon had an opportunity to go down to Porto Alegre, Brazil a number of years ago. He was down there with a team, kind of like what Ed did uh, when he took his trip. But they were going to give out about 400,000 copies of God's Word. They went to an English, uh, they were at a, a Methodist University English class on a Friday night. And when they showed up, that professor was so glad to see them. He said, well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you've brought... English Testament so we can learn English in this class. Randy said, I'm sorry, sir. All we have are Portuguese Testaments. And the professor said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You've brought English Testaments so we can learn English. We've been praying for months that you'd bring us English Testaments. Randy said, I'm sorry. All we have are Portuguese but the professor didn't listen. He tore the box of 100 out from under Randy's arms, and he began to pass them out or help them pass them out to the students. Well, guess what? To their amazement, those testaments were not in Portuguese. They were in English. The box was marked clearly 
Portuguese, but the Testaments were English. They had two other boxes. They were marked Portuguese. They were Portuguese. They got worried because they'd shipped 4,000 boxes of these things to be distributed. Of the 4,000 boxes, one box in one classroom of 100 students, exactly what they'd been praying for for months, that God would send them English Testaments. Well, was that a mistake or was that a divine appointment? I can tell you one thing. I'm in Miss Mary's John Precept class on Sunday night. And we've been going through the book of John. And we saw where Jesus turned water into wine, didn't he? Well, if he can turn water into wine, he don't have a bit of problem of changing those Portuguese testaments into English, does he? I wish that I would have been Randy Smith and I would have witnessed that. I want to talk to this wonderful, I've never been up here and I've seen these young people that you talk about. I want to tell you real quickly about Craig Groeschel. He received a college testament while attending a nominal Christian school. You see, he was the president of his fraternity, and as a publicity move, he wanted to start a Bible study group. Guess what? It started that night, and he didn't even own a Bible. So he walked out of his dorm, and he walked across the campus, and guess what? Some guys in these suits, like we are, said, Sir, would you like to have a free copy of God's Word? Craig said, Wow, man, if there is a God, he sure works fast. So he took that little testament, he went back to his dorm, and he began to read it. He got over into Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, By grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He was saved that day, gloriously saved. Well, what is Greg Groeschel doing today? That's why I look up here at the young people. Some of you, do you know how to Google and Yahoo? Any of you? Got a smartphone? If you do a Google search, you'll find him under mega churches today. He is the lead pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma. He has campus churches in five states. He preaches over the internet each week to over 100,000 people. He and some of his friends have got together and they've come up with I've got one of these. I don't know if you've got an iPhone. The Bible app. That's him. That's his church. They've come up with the Bible app. It's on here. You can download it from the app store. In one month, they downloaded, people downloaded 30 million Bible apps. They said, you need to market this. If you charge a dollar, Craig Groeschel would have received $30 million. This is what Greg Groeschel said. He said, since my first Bible was given to me free by Gideon, my Bible is not for sale. It's free today and you can get it. Look at the impact that Craig Groeschel is having today, but it all started when a Gideon said to him, Sir, would you like to have a free copy? of God's Word. And look at the impact that he's making today. Well, how can you help us this morning? First of all, I'm going to ask you to pray for us. Prayer continues to be the 
most important thing we can do as a church, and we as Gideons, we have to bathe everything in prayer. And you noticed that what Ed and them were doing, they were praying before they ever went out on those distributions. It's very important. First Thessalonians 5.25 says, Brethren, pray for us. I'm going to ask you, if you're a business or professional man this morning, you're looking for an extended area of service. Maybe you want to come and talk to Ed and I about becoming a Gideon. I can't tell you how blessed that we have been by being a part of it. And you would be too if you're looking for uh, another area of service. Come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about the Gideons and how you can join. You can support us throughout the year by using the Gideon card program. And we've got a display back in the back, but it allows you to uh, give cards in memory or in recognition or thinking of you, uh, thinking of someone. It's a great way to support us throughout the year. It's a great way also to give a card, you send the word, and then you change a life. And that's what we're after, to change a life. Of course, everything that you give, I'm going to ask you this morning to make a, an investment in what we do. Maybe you want to help us contribute and help buy scriptures like what Ed uh, was able to, to give out. And like has already been mentioned, 100% of what you give goes to the purchase and placement of God's word. And uh, you've got some bulletin inserts uh, in your program this morning that can kind of explain all that. But I'm going to tell you this morning, a Bible like this that we put in a hotel or a motel today costs $5. It has a lifespan. We call them little missionaries. We put a little missionary in a hotel or a motel in all across the, the world, really. These things have a lifespan of about six years. They'll reach about 2,300 readers in its lifespan. If they're still in good shape after that six years, we'll tear this cover off of it. We'll put a, a soft cover on it. And then guess what? We're going to give that thing a life sentence because we're going to put it in a jail, prison, or correctional facility for them to have for their use. And guess what? Maybe somebody like a Mary Kay Beer is going to get it, and they're going to read it, and they're going to get saved. I retired from Alabama Power Company a number of years ago, and in the corporate world, we talked a lot about return on investment, return on equity. I can't think of a better investment than a five bucks where Mary Kay Beard came to saving faith. Or a dollar twenty-five, like somebody like Craig Groeschel when he received one of these on a college campus. It's making a difference today. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us in the Gideon ministry. I want to thank Brother Mike for giving Ed and I the opportunity to come and share with you today about what God is doing through this ministry today. Thank you and God bless you this morning.